with us. I'm going to make sure my alerts are off. And we are live, live, live. It is Thursday. It's Trending Thursday. This is Carol Sue, a.k.a. Nani Boss, live from Vero Beach with two sisters. And good morning, everyone. My name is Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva. I love the sound of that, Wellness Diva. Reporting to you live from the Circle in North Haven, Connecticut. And wow, we have an amazing guest today. So Carol Sue, I'm going to hand it over to you to do the intro because oh. I'm excited to have this guest with us. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this for like forever. You know, there's something about when you meet somebody and you just get this instant connection. And Chris Caldwell, who I'm, who I'm introducing momentarily, is just that person. I first met Chris through uh, the production company, Chair and Dance Company, that I owned years ago. He's one of our judges, a frequent judge. And just he has that, he just has that spark. He's got this big, big smile. He's just always welcoming, fun, loving, energetic, sincere. He's all of those things. And the integrity that he shows the sport of cheerleading, as well as every area of, of his life is just one that you just naturally attract to him. So we have obviously kept in contact. We chat back and forth. Uh, first off, I want to wish him a very, very happy, happy first anniversary to him and his wife, Courtney. Uh, they're celebrating their one-year anniversary and how amazing that he's taking time out of his day from his special day with his wifey to be with us. So I'm super excited about that. I want to little, tell you a little bit about Chris. Chris is going to actually kind of really talk about the different things he's involved with, but he is an all-star coach. Uh, he has worked for NCA. If you don't know who that or, uh, is it NCA, yes, National Cheerleading Association for many, many years. Uh, he's an all-star cheerleading coach. He's an entrepreneur. He's in broadcasting and he's got that, mm, that, mm, that voice that you just love. So Chris, welcome to Two Sisters. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So can you tell our audience, you know, give them obviously a little bit of background. Let us know what you're up to. I know obviously you're still, you know, you're still coaching. And one of the things that I, you know, we were intrigued about with obviously during this virus going on, you know, your season abrupted the whole, you know, the whole community, the athletic community and the all-star cheerleading world, as well as colleges and uh, collegiate high school, your season just abruptly ended. How did you... Yeah um deal with that and how are you what measures are you now taking because it's such a contact sport i mean when the when the season initially ended it was kind of like the biggest shock ever because one it's like you know cheer is this insane machine that never stops moving it, you know the season ends and then the next season starts right away and so i think the biggest thing was that we had that biggest competition of the year up until that moment so we had nca and you know, at that point, we started gearing up for Summit. And, you know, Summit is that last thing that you really push for. Summit is that that ultimate goal after NCA, uh, in, in our opinion, especially in Texas. Um, and so when we found out that this virus was, you know, sometimes you hear stuff like that and you're like, ah, oh, it's not going to affect us, whatever. We're just going to keep moving. Because, I mean, no one really understands what the flu pandemic did to the country or the, or the world back then but now we're really experiencing it. So it's kind of crazy for everyone, but uh, let me get back to how it felt like. When we told our kids, I think that we told our kids in an early enough time that they were able to understand it and have that moment of, oh my God, my season's over. Um, you know, thankfully we didn't wait until the end of April or May 
to explain that to them. We let them know, like, look, we're not going to put you in this situation. You know, already people are out of work. Let's just we're say we're not going to go, even if they have it later in the year. So for our kids, they had that initial shock. And that shock came from us, the coaches, and not a Twitter or a social media post of any kind. So for us, it wasn't as bad. Um, it still hurt, but we spent time celebrating our season with our kids through Zoom. Uh, we spent time, you know, recording videos for them. So we made it more personable and just, you know, it made that experience so much easier for us to handle um, the end of the season way before it should have ended. Um, with gyms opening back up and getting back to where we should be, you know, it's 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 really following the CDC guidelines, just making sure that, you know, you're not putting yourself in a bad situation. You know, if you're on a cheer floor, each line is six feet apart, roughly. So each line is six feet apart, roughly. So, you know, you can warm up your kids by keeping them six feet apart. Uh, when it comes to them even walking in the door, just checking temperatures, you know, making sure they have their mask on, making sure as soon as they walk in the door, you're putting hand sanitizer on their hands, things like that. Um, so it's kind of tough because as a coach, you're a very hands-on person. You know, you have to spot tumbling, you have to spot stunning. Um, and so the first few weeks of opening up, that was weird because we didn't actually do the contact portion of coaching. We coached verbally and we made sure we maintained that, that six feet or more apart. And so classes were kind of small. Um, once the guidelines kind of opened up a little bit more for that 50% capacity and things like that, then, you know, on top of that, contact sports was allowed. Once contact sports are allowed, I can spot my kids. And so now I'm, I'm giving them more instruction and helping them learn more. So that was cool for us. But, I mean, the only thing we can do is follow CDC guidelines, whatever, you know, the leadership in your state say, you just do it. Um, so far, our kids have been coming back and they've been succeeding um, and just moving forward. I've seen several new skills happen. So most of the kids just want to get back to a sense of normalcy. They just, they're sick of having to deal with coronavirus and they're sick of seeing social media posts about how they can't do anything. So. A absolutely. That. And that, that is so impactful because it's such a positive thing. And I, what I absolutely always loved about the sport you know, the excitement, the music, the skills, the routines, the, the innovation every year, each season is just more innovative than the next. And one of the things that I've always, always believed in is any kind of activity or sport is also another way of really showing our youth on teamwork, commitment, mm -hmm. um, committing from, from start to finish, which are all skills that we need, they're life skills. And to also kind of keep them occupied in a positive way. So they're not on the streets and they're not getting into trouble. They're, they're locking arms with positive role models and really learning that, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. And that's, that's mm -hmm. another life skill. So I think going forward, have they really given you any insight as to whether the season is going to start, you know, how that is going to go, like what is going to go on with competitions? Do they, has anyone? Um, each, you know, each EP or uh, you, you already know what that means, but I don't know. Everybody, it means event producer. <laughs> uh, each event producer is, is basically rolling out their thing on their own. So I can't personally say that I know exactly when everything's going to start. Um, but like you said, we're teaching them leadership skills and, and, and life lessons. So that's pretty much what we're doing right now. We're preparing them for a season. 
Um, if that season comes, then, hey, we're going to be amazing this season. If that season doesn't come, then they understand that they still need to work on these skills for when we're allowed to actually go back full swing. So, I mean, our kids are amazing. They're just in there working full force and they're hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. Well, you know, what, what do you think about that, Jan? It's, it's so insightful knowing that these kids have got their coaches back and, and vice versa, and they're really still striving uh, to, to improve their skills and also still keep them connected in that cheerleading community. What do you think, Jan? I think that's amazing. And, you know, it always goes back to the kids and how they adapt and whoops, there are different life skills that enable them to do these things. Um, and it had to be very difficult for them to, as Chris said, when, like when, you know, you're going in the season, then boom, it, it's over. So they deal with things differently typically than we do. And they, they probably feel it a lot more than we do. I'm curious as to the age ages in um, your gym or your class. Uh, if you're if you're looking at pretty much cheerleading across the country, we all have roughly the same age groups. Um, the only difference is sometimes they may start their smallest classes at four years old, um, oh, or some may start as at five or six. Um, traditionally, once a kid is potty trained and they can tell themselves, "Hey, I gotta go to the bathroom," they can come in that gym and start learning. And that's pretty much anywhere you go. Just as, I mean. Learning how to tumble at the earliest age possible is great because your body has that no fear complex. You're just like, ooh, what's this? And so early is great. Um, and it goes all the way up to 18. Um, so yeah, it starts at a very young age and it can go to all the way up to 18 till you graduate high school. And then some gyms have open teams. So somebody such as myself could be on a team at a gym like that. Um, I did open teams when I was in college um, and that was a lot of fun. And so if you if we're talking about let's just stick with normal kids um roughly let's just say ages five to 18 for most people out there who don't understand the open knowing five to 18. <laughs> right because i could go forever on that <laughs> you, you, you absolutely can and also i mean that is not all you do i mean you're obviously you went to school for for journalism for broadcasting you're 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 just you're an entre entrepreneur spirit of, of many different avenues and i know that you, I've, I've seen you post that you are on Twitch. I have no, I know it's another social media broadcasting <laughs> kind of thing. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit what you're doing about with that. Uh, so basically Twitch is a, it's, it's basically video games, um, but you can do so much more on Twitch. Uh, there, are, there are musicians on Twitch, there are artists, there are people who build things on Twitch. Um, what I do on Twitch personally is I play video games. Video games for me is a stress release. It's been that way since I was a kid. I know people probably think grown men shouldn't play video games, but hey, did it when I was a kid. I still do it now. It's a great stress relief. And so basically on Twitch, um, I am broadcasting myself while I play video games and broadcasting the images of the games I'm playing. Uh, I'm chatting with friends. Um, and then there are other people who come into there and they, they type they type questions. Um, and we just we just hang out. You know, I get to know people from different places. Uh, a lot of the people that watch my channel are actually from Europe. Um, so that's a lot of fun to get to chat with them. Um, you know, we, we discuss things that most people wouldn't want to discuss. Like uh, at one point on my channel, I had a wonderful conversation with someone who, you know, their best friend told them that they were afraid to come out and they were like, how do I help my best friend? And so that was a, a really good conversation to have with that person. Just kind of, you know, with myself being in the cheer industry, 
and all of the love that I have for everyone, it was fun to, you know, tell someone like, look, if you're really that person's friend, the best you can do is be there for them. And mm -hmm. so although I'm playing video games, some of the conversations get a little bit heavy. Um, sometimes I won't play. Sometimes I'll just sit there and have conversations with anybody that wants to talk or needs someone to talk to. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I just made affiliate and now I'm just uh, trying to work my way up to partner. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. And, you know, again, it's, it's people connecting and you're, you're so good at that. And I think that's wonderful. So I think it's, it's great they're having all these different conversations. I want to turn this a little bit to, you know, what is going on in our environment. Mm -hmm. um, last night, and I don't, I'm one who, I really try to stay away. Jan and I were talking about this yesterday, staying away from the news. I mean, both of our, all of our businesses, you know, obviously entails a lot of social media. So for sure, we're getting alerts of what's going on. So we don't really, I don't really need to watch the news because I'm, I'm getting the, the alerts. And I was really struck by, and I actually tuned in because I really wanted to hear um, the dad's perspective of this poor man who I believe his son was the first one that was uh, shot and murdered at uh, the Seattle Chop, Chaz, whatever they want to call it, which is since now, I guess, but dismantled. And his point of view was so heart-wrenching so heartfelt that this poor man did not even realize he, from what he was saying, his, his son was challenged, had a learning disability to, to some degree. And he had a great conversation with his, his son that night and said, you know, stay close to home. You know, the usual 19 year old chatting. And yes, his age was 19 years old, but because of his learning disability, his, his, his insight and maturity was obviously not of a 19 year old. Some 19 year olds are very mature, some are not, we know that. And for him to kiss his son goodnight and, and find out from friends that he went sadly to that area, which was obviously a very unstable area. And to learn that, you know, the police, the, the mayor, um, the governor, no one contacted him. You know, he never received that knock on the door. He, he goes to the hospital to, to see his boy, to, to one, probably identify, to make sure that, my God, I'm in this nightmare. You know, is this really my son? And it was just, it was so, oh God, it was so impactful, so hurtful, so, just so sad to see him going through this. What are, you, what are you feeling about, you know, what is going on in our country regarding, um, and we've chatted about this on, on, on several occasions on our podcast and, and on different sites. You know, for me personally, I've always, I, I, I was blessed as, as growing up. You know, we had uh, all cultures exposed to us at an early age. You know, my, in the 60s, we had many friends that were Chinese, uh, Black families, Puerto Rican friends. I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. So I never, color was never emphasize i mean for me it's always i just we never we were we we were blessed i we had my parents had gay friends in the 60s so we were exposed to a lot of gay gay people and it never we never looked at life that way um and now what i see that there just seems so so much of that going on now even more so when i grew up which is weird because i grew up in the 60s and 70s where there there was a lot of social issues but it seems 
I think because of social media or whatever, that it's more and heightened. What are you, how are you feeling about that? Um, I, I agree with the social media comment. You know, I'm, I'm 34. So social media wasn't huge when I was younger. Honestly, Facebook didn't even happen until I got to college. And so when I was growing up, it was never a color issue. It was, uh, you know, you hung out with a certain group of people. And if you hung out with that people, then that was great. If you didn't, oh, well, we'll hang out with you some other time. Um, I think that our, our biggest issue today isn't even social media, though. I think that our, our biggest issue today is, is, is media in general. You know, um, it's, it's sad that when I was growing up, even, even when I was growing up, eight, eight years old, you turn on the news and the first thing you see is somebody shot today. You know, you don't see, hey, school wins national, student wins national spelling bee, or you don't see, you know, um, high school football team wins first ever state championship. The first thing you usually see is somebody was robbed, killed, or somebody else is going to prison. And so I feel like we, we live in an environment or a society that is, you know, just enthralled with bad news. Or, or we'd love to see it. We like, we hurt for it as, a, as, as people because our media outlets, that's what they feed us. So the first thing we see when it's bad news or any kind of hate, we're like, oh, let's watch it and see what happens. Let's catch the drama. And so the minute television was created, it started to control the lives of everybody. And it's still doing it to this day because if you watch Fox News, you're going to watch Fox News and get from them what you think everyday life should be like. If you watch CNN, you're going to believe what CNN tells you because that's your preferred choice of media. Okay. But the sad thing is instead of what used to be of, Hey, I need to figure out something. Let me pick up a book and find it out. Or, Hey, let me do some research and find it out. We've gone away from that. And so that's where social media comes into play because now it's clickbait. Now it's let me put a lie on social media so somebody can click on it and get angry about it and share it. And then their friends can get angry about it and share it too. And then people who disagree with them can jump online and they can argue through a virtual, through a virtual setting and become a keyboard warrior. And those two together creating this monster that we're dealing with today is, is the biggest issue. I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a color issue because me personally, I'm in a sport where everybody is accepting and welcoming to one another. You know, I've never had an issue with you. We have completely different political views, but I've never had an issue with you. And it has nothing to do with race and it has nothing to do with, you know, the way I was born. It's more about who we are as people that we get along in that aspect. You know, we've had an argument before that, that involved our political views, but it, it never stopped me from saying, Hey, I'll do the podcast. You know what I mean? And so I think that, just like I, just like we talked about one day, um, social media needs to do some sort of regulating to verify. To, if you're going to let a post be on your site that involves anything political or anything about the current situation, you need to fact check it and verify it. Um, that will help us, number one. If Facebook won't do it, if Twitter won't do it, then guess what? You as the person who's viewing it fact check it it's not that hard to do you can go to google and in 10 seconds have an answer so like that's my opinion on social media think before you share i i, I absolutely absolutely love that chris and 
You know, that is one thing that, you know, I absolutely love about you. And we, and we, and we have chatted about that, that you can have, <coughs> excuse me, different opinions on, you know, political views. But what I love is that, and Janice frequently talks about this on our podcast, so I'm going to let her share that piece to it, that a lot of times there's a difference between hearing and actually listening. And I think if more people, you know, even regarding, you know, the, the racism and, and uh, reform of law enforcement, and all of that, I thought about that, you know, with all the protests that are going on, I don't hear anybody having dialogue, like meeting with community leaders, let's sit down at the round table, let's have that dialogue. But in order to have that dialogue, part of dialogue has to be listening versus hearing. And I think mm -hmm. we really do a good job of that because we have that mutual love and respect for each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why more people don't see that piece to it. Jan, what do you think about that? Well, as you said, we've always chatted a lot about hearing versus listening, and that goes with anything in life. And it brings up so many different things for me because as, you know, Carol has stated, we, we grew up, you know, there wasn't uh, a separation of the human race. We were just all a part of the human race. And I didn't, you know, it never occurred to me any of this until I think I was in seventh or eighth grade when something had happened. But what I love about the difference between hearing and listening, it's almost like right and wrong because you can hear, but if you're not listening and opening your heart to the possibility of learning somebody's different views, that is where the breakdown begins. And Chris, I have to agree with you about the social media and the different news platforms. It's very interesting that, you know, and I listen to all of them. I'm more, and I've said this before, I'm more Fox News, but I go on CNN. I, I wanna see what everybody is saying about a particular object. And I look up a lot of things and most recently learned about Google Scholar. Um, which happens to be a really good reference source as well. Mm -hmm. And I think if we stop at the point where we're not willing to listen, listening also means doing that proper research. You know, I've seen, for instance, on social media, a lot of things come up and I'm like, wait a minute, that, you know, let me look that up, you know, what does that entail? So I want to thank you for sharing that because that's really an integral part of being um, being a good person, but also, you know, sharing what we're passionate about and having respect for one another. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Obviously, like I said, I'm more Fox News, but, you know, I want, I want to listen to different news sources. I want to know what this one's saying and why are they saying that? And it's a different, everybody has a different agenda, just like, you know, different political parties have mm -hmm. different agendas. Yeah. Have you ever, I just have a question. Like this is something sure. funny that I learned when I was in school. Okay. What is the primary color of the Republican party? The primary color meaning. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, when you look at their, when you look at their logo on a ballot, what's the color? I believe it's red, red or blue. Red. red. Red, right? And the Democrat one is which one? Blue. 
You see the ironic? What's Fox's color? I have blue. Fox's logo is blue and CNN is red. Do you see how ironic that is? That is very ironic. That is. Thank you. Right? And so a lot of people just, okay, so look at something like that. If, if color was an issue, if color was an issue, I look at it, it's, it's simple and it's small and some people may say it's stupid, but if color was an issue, if a Republican person does not have an issue with their Republican network being blue and a Democratic network doesn't have an issue or a Democratic person doesn't have an issue with their Democratic network being red, why does it matter what color your state is? Mm. Right? And so if, and then you take that over to like, actually, I'm not going to go on all that today. That's another thing. Let's keep moving. <laughs> hey, we're open. I'll, start, go I'll start going and just go and go and go. Yeah, you can go. That's, that's the beauty <laughs> of our podcast, Chris. Well, I mean, I think, okay, well, then I'll, I'll just say this much is that we are so wrapped up in what political affiliation we have that just like, you know, Janice said, we have to listen to each other and understand each other for anything to go forward. Well, our biggest problem is we can't get past which party that people support. Like the minute you think someone's a liberal or a Republican, you immediately tune each other out. And it can't be that way. Like it can't, you know, like I am, I am neither Republican nor Democrat. I am, I, I consider myself a moderate because in order to truly care about what this country needs, you got to be able to listen to both sides. You got to be able to understand that not, 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 not one side is right all the time. You know what I mean? Amen. Like, it's, it's really funny because there, there are so many people who dislike the current president right? There's so many people who dislike Trump. I have never personally been a fan of Trump, but I have never been an enemy of Trump either. But do you hate because, him? No. The only thing I hate is that he can't stay off Twitter. But I, think <laughs> I agree. The whole country feels that way. You know, like, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I believe that his campaign strategy was effective because of the current situation in the country his campaign was effective. I do not agree with the, the fear or the fear mongering side of it of saying, you know, we're, we're falling as a country, we're doing this because all you did was, you know, confirm people's emotions already. I, I feel like if he was a little more hopeful in a lot of his campaigning, I don't think so many people would have an issue with him. Um, and the worst thing about it is I feel like people who were for Trump, who have those, the, the racist tendencies and things like that, they made him look worse. And he didn't do himself a favor by agreeing with him. So the few and that, and that, excuse me, in that situation represented the many. Does that make sense? Like, no, absolutely. not every Trump supporter is racist. There may be a few. Right. There may be a few. We we saw that already, clearly. Right. Not every Obama supporter hates Trump. Correct. I, I don't hate him. He's the president of the United States, right? I'm going to give him the respect that is due. He has done things that has helped out the country, hands down, okay? 
if I, somebody who, you know, really don't like the person as an individual, can respect him for the man that he is to the country right now, why can't everybody else, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to call me Uncle Tom because I said I didn't hate Donald Trump, which and you I know don't what? hate Donald Trump. And, and that's the one thing that, you know, I've been finding, like, to back it up, Democrats, the, the, one thing that de- the, the, the one thing that the Democrats do very well is they stick together. Like, regardless of what the issue is, Republicans do not do that. They, don't do, they do not stick together. They kind of flee here and there. Democrats mm-hmm. do that well. What I, I, I'm amazed at is someone like yourself or even, um, I'm trying to think of that civil rights leader, Terrell, what the heck is his name? Terrell, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. When you have someone who is, is black, whether you're female or, or male, and you come out with what, what, what you're talking about and or look at the whole picture uh, of racism and or, you know, this or that, whatever the subject may be, people within that culture will say, well, you know, they're, they're an Uncle Tom. Why is that? Be, because you are, because they feel that you are uh, thinking like a white person? Like, I don't understand the, that whole, like, like, to give you an example, this morning, I think it was yesterday morning, the picture of a white guy that murdered the two, that ambushed the two officers, and sadly one of them has passed away. He's a dirtbag. Uh, you know, I hope, he get, I hope he gets a death sentence, so I'm not going to support him just because he's white. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't understand that analogy, of, or, or, or maybe you can enlighten me on why you think that way. So you're coming out with very uh, passionate, intelligent, articulate views. So why would someone in your culture say that to you? I think that's what, I don't understand that. Well, here's the, here's the biggest thing um, about that to me is in, in African-American culture or the black community, all we have is each other. Okay. If you look at just, let's just look at slavery for an instance, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why does it matter that black people were enslaved? Everybody was enslaved at one point. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Everybody was enslaved at one point. But the biggest difference is black slaves in America had it worse than any other culture you could think of. You know, they didn't, no other culture did break backing or, or back, whatever you want to call it, or buck breaking is what it is. No other culture did buck breaking. And I don't know if you know what buck breaking is. No, I've heard but- of it. That's, no. that's taken the biggest, strongest male slave yeah. Yeah. And, and sodomizing them right there in front of everybody else so all the slaves know who's in charge. You know, like you didn't have your whole family being torn apart. And so I think people forget how brutal slavery was in America. Okay. And so like where these terms like Uncle Tom and stuff like that come from, it comes from, let's put this into perspective. Say, say you're a slave on a plantation, right? And so all of a sudden, you have a buddy who is lighter skinned or fairer skinned than you, right? So me, let's, I'm going to put it in my perspective because I don't know any other way to do it. So I'm there. I've got this friend who is lighter than me because the master slept with his mom. 
and now he has a mixed child, right? That slave is going to get to go inside the house and live a little bit better life and going to have an easier job than I'm going to have because I'm going to be out in the fields, okay? That's where you get the house N-word term from, by the way. That's where that one comes from, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then you got Uncle Tom's, right? So let's put it simple. Uncle Tom's are snitches. Let's put it that way. They switch sides. Instead of siding with their own people, they're going to go with somebody else. And that, that also comes from back then, in, in my opinion, because at that point in, in Black people's history and culture in America, all they had was each other. When they're brought over from another country, their religion is stripped from them, their identities are stripped from them, their culture, their traditions, everything is stripped from them when they come over, when they're brought over, not come over, when they're brought over here to be a slave. And so at that point, all you have is each other. The people that are around you, nobody else cares about you except for those same people that are with you, right? And that, and that ideology is, has, has stayed in black culture. All we have is each other, right? So the thought that one of your own would disagree with how you feel or would vote for somebody you wouldn't vote for or would have an idea that you don't have, it's weird because growing up black, you don't go against your own. That's okay. life. Yeah. So you think the Democratic Party sticks together? <laughs> Nothing sticks together like a Black family or a Black community. And I think that's what people refuse to see today is like just looking at the protest and things like that. We're not, we don't want things to be torn apart at all. You know, the, the original protests weren't violent. They right. were peaceful and nothing happened. It's, and, and, and excuse me for coming off the wrong way if I do, but look at all the protests and social media posts. You don't see black people yelling in the face of cops. You see young white college kids who think they're making a change yelling at the cops. Or you see young white college students who think that they have nothing to lose or who think they're doing the right thing, destroying property. And so I don't know about you, but there's only two things you can do in a riot environment. One is run, and hopefully you don't get trampled. Two is join the party and make sure that nobody thinks you're against them. If I'm a peaceful protester in a riot situation, and I see people are angry and destroying stuff, if they don't see that I'm with them, at that point, I'm against them, and I become a target. So some of these people that are rioting, if you watch the video close enough, they're not really rioting and they're not really trying to destroy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that has completely taken away from the true message that's trying to happen right now. And so- The, the other thing I, I'm gonna interject with that is, and I, and I get that and that makes that, all that makes perfect sense. My issue with the organization of Black Lives Matter versus I'm for, uh, you know, for the lives of blacks is the ideology. You know, I grew up mm-hmm. in the 60s. And for me, the black life, the organization, because to me, it's, there's two different things. There's Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Black Lives Matter organization. So yep. I have gotten, I've, you know, gotten flack about my, my stance on that. And, and the reason why I took that stance is if I'm going to join a cause, 
I do my due diligence. I investigate them. I want to know who the founders are. And when I first re started reading way back when, when the organization started occurring, there was something always nagging at me about it. And I'm, I'm going to be honest about that. And I could not, I could never pinpoint it. And I dug and dug and literally it was probably three months ago. And I think it was from one of the, one of the chapter leaders, because we, we know there's different chapters within that organization and a few things that he said that sparked a memory for me. And I started to investigate more and more. And I, and I remember talking to, to John, my husband, I said, this is that same organization from the sixties. And he says, what are you talking about? And I, at first I had the lettering wrong. I had it as the W O U, but it's actually uh, W. No, no W U O. Oh, but it's not. I'm going to explain that. So, so he said, what are you talking about? And I said, don't you remember in Michigan in the sixties, there was this group out of the college and they were, they were obviously very left with what was back then considered very left wing. It said it had to do with the Black Panthers, but it wasn't even so much the Black Panthers. It was anti-American, anti-religion, anti-government, anti-God. And I said, I'm telling you, this organization to me is named something differently with a little different packaging, but the ideology, I could not, I could not differentiate. To me, it's exactly the same. So I found it interesting that there was a lot of civil rights leaders coming out and very articulate, very uh, speaking from the heart. And they said, look, it, we, we've got to look within our own. You know, we, we always talk about a lot, of whether it's, it's black culture, white culture, you know, poor families, whatever, where they don't have that, that male role model in, in their homes. We, we know that is a factor. But I was really puzzled um, because I think at, collectively as a whole, the country came together. They understood that what happened to George Floyd was horrific, should never have happened. Horrible, horrible death. And those officers will, will, that family will get their justice. But what I couldn't understand, you know, when I, when you hear about Chicago and you hear about all these, these, these children that are being murdered and that organization not coming out and supporting them. And, and I could be wrong. And I, I, I always say that, but from my perspective, it doesn't fit their narrative. You know, you have like three-year-old baby you know, who, who was shot by, you know, bullets flying, you know, 14 year old, like, and the, the three, it, it just, it continues on and on. And even this gentleman last night, um, Horace, I can't think of his last name. I'm drawing a blank. Whose child died in the, in the chop zone, whatever you want to call it. They're not coming out and supporting them. So do, do their, those black lives, they don't matter. And that's what's for me, that is what is so confusing and why I cannot, back that organization. I, I, I've actually contacted my local community. I want to know if I'm donating something, I would like to donate to, you know, helping young black lives with, you know, with education, you know, are they having some sort of community resources to help them connect better with law enforcement, like some positive things for the culture. I don't want to donate to an organization that leads to a political party because that's not where I want my money to go. And I, and I don't think a lot of, I think a lot of people that initially joined the organization had all good intentions of like, we, we want to address the racism. We want police reform. We want to address racial profiling. It exists. We've, how can we change that? And for me, so many people were, and I don't want to use the word duped, but 
you know, thought that the organization was one thing. And to me, it's two separate things. And I can't, I can't, I cannot define that or I can't rectify that, that they're together. I haven't seen anything that proves any differently, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, when it comes to the, the BLM movement, I, I clearly agree with what the movement should stand for. I think that the, the hardest thing is when people respond with all lives matter. I think that's the hardest thing because no one is, no one who ever said that black lives matter, no one who ever said that felt that nobody else's life mattered. Um, it's, it's clearly saying that it's also like we matter as well. Like, cause there are times where it feels like our lives don't matter. Like there are times like, you know, I had a friend, uh, a friend of mine works at a certain store. I'm not going to say the name of it. Um, and he was doing his job, minding his business, uh, ready to help anybody who needed it. Some old white lady about, I don't know, I think he said eight or nine aisles down while he was stocking shelves, tried to get his attention. And she just did it as simple as waving at him. Well, I don't see people wave at me when I'm stocking a shelf. I'm trying to get the shelf stocked efficiently so I can move on to the next one so I can keep my job. But if you say, hey, can I get some help? I'm going to turn around, right? Well, she didn't say, hey, can I get some help? She said, hey, N-word. And it's 2020. Why is my friend dealing with that situation? Right? Absolutely. Ridiculous. I think what a lot of people who don't deal with or see racism on a daily basis, it's hard for them to understand why people would need, have the need to say Black Lives Matter. And I think that that's important for people to realize that racism still exists. It happens every day. You know, I think I was watching a video of a gentleman from Senate who tried to put forth a, um, he was putting forth a bill for, um, for law enforcement to put um, regulations on it and just help make everything safer. And for the record, the Democrats turned it down. And I think I agree with that Senator that the Democrats don't want Trump to have a victory. Yes, I said it. Um, (laughs) And he explained it the best way ever. He goes, as a black man, when I walk down the street and I see a, a white lady clutch her purse, when I walk by, she doesn't know it, but she's being racist. She's profiling me. Right. If I'm walking down the street and there's a couple and the gentleman is on the side of the road he's supposed to be on, which is closest to the actual street on the sidewalk. But I'm on the Good, other side uh, of kudos, it. Kudos to you for getting that. Yeah, All I'm on the other side and he switches sides for just a second so he could be closer to me than the street. At that point, I'm more dangerous than an oncoming car to his, his young lady. Yeah. That's profiling. You think Absolutely. I'm going to jump on you because I'm black? Right. Right? And, and it's funny because I get it all the time. I see it on a regular basis. I go out of my way to walk around people sometimes as to not make somebody feel like I'm a danger. Like, Carol, you know me. I am a large man. I'm six foot three, like 300 pounds. Like, I'm Yes, big you are. Right? And so <laughs> if I there. wanted to, I could 
really be a danger to someone. Yeah. But if you knew me as a person, you would know that I'm just a giant teddy bear. Right? And you are. And I, and I think that that is part of the point that I'm making is those are strides that we need as a society to do better on. And how do we do that? And, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with the peaceful protests, but I don't see any action that people are actually coming together. Yeah. Like even about, even talking about law, law, law reform and, you know, law enforcement reform, you know, I mean, I have a well, law, law enforcement reform would happen if people would open their ears. Correct. And, you because know, we don't need people. We don't need the police defunded. Like what is defunding the police going to do? Okay. We're going to have streets that are even more lawless. And it, it's just like the people you were talking about. That's exactly what Antifa wants. Antifa wants no police anywhere. Correct. Because then Antifa can do what they need to do. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. Antifa is a danger to you. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, I was talking to I I went up north, not too long ago, and I was chatting with Tina's husband. And most people know that we have law enforcement in our family. And I, you know, I was talking to him, you know, we were talking about the different things that were happening. The really the north, the way that they have law enforcement versus the south. And he said, there, there are differences. He talked specifically about that particular hole that George Floyd, how he was murdered. He said, we don't, we don't even practice that. Like we don't teach that. And he, he teaches a lot of officers around the country. He said, that's something we just don't do. Um, yeah. Do we know how to do it? He goes, I would use it if somebody had a gun to my throat or something. Yeah. But he said, that's not, that's not commonplace. So mm-hmm. he agrees that, you know, depending on law enforcement and where they are in the country, they do, they do learn differently on tactics and, 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 and different ways of, you know, apprehending and or uh, arresting someone. And he definitely feels that that has to be addressed. He also addressed that there are uh, codes of ethic and he agrees that, you know, that has to be changed within, you know, officers need to feel comfortable that if they see another officer doing something wrong, that they can go to the proper, proper authorities and not be harassed or ostracized because they're coming forward that they know that's wrong. Um, as well as the profiling that that still occurs. And what I don't understand, I go back to those that really want these changes. And, you know, his death occurred, his murder occurred May 28th. We are now July 2nd. I don't hear of any communities getting together and say, okay, let's work this out. Let's come up with reform. Let's sit down and come up well, with a comprehensive, comprehensive plan that's going to help. I saw the all- greatest post ever the other day. And it, it really struck a chord with me because you're right. There's nothing getting done. Let's come up with the plan together. But it said, Hey, we took the lady off a bottle of syrup. And then somebody, and then the, and then the, the response is, but when can we get this fixed? Hey, we took down a flag. But what has that fixed? Hey, we decided to take down these statues for you too, but what does that fix? And so it's funny because we're doing all of that. Don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with the fact that the rebel flag needs to go away. It's basically a sign of treason. I'm from the South. If you think it's Southern pride, great. Good for you. But it shouldn't be flown publicly (laughs) because it's not the American flag. You know, people, you know, talk about disrespecting the flag. That's pure disrespect to the American flag. That's a a treasonous statement. So that's where I stand on that. But I mean, tearing down statues and I get it, dude, they were Confederate leaders, but 
those people had big parts in that state's history. You know, if you're that, I mean, if put them in a museum, then if they're a danger to people, put them in a museum. Okay. That way, if you want to go see them, you can see them. But what hasn't been done, what hasn't been talked about is a better way to handle police reform. You know, there are so many options on the table. There are mandatory, you know, bi-yearly, you know, psych evaluations. Somebody even mentioned every three months do a psych evaluation. That's going to be a little bit too much. Six months is fine. Okay. There should be a preliminary psych evaluation so you can understand what's going on through this person's life. Because a lot of people that are cops, a lot of people that are out there that are probably the bad eggs had something going on in their life that changed them. They had a moment when they were a cop that changed them where they felt their lives were in danger and they didn't do what they thought they should have done. And it ended up hurting them or hurting somebody they love. There's a reason for everything that's going on. Absolutely. Why are we not talking about psyche vows for police? Or why are we not talking about, hey, they need paid vacation time so they can go away and decompress. Exactly. They put themselves in this situation. And, you know, I mean, it, it sucks because it's not, it's not only black people who are being murdered by cops and all these stats that you see out there where it's like black people murdered by black people, black people murdered by cops, white people murdered by white people. That's a, that, that's stupid. Those are people who post those on social media who write down false facts to lead an argument. Okay. Oh, actually, there's a lot, definitely a lot of baiting going on. Yeah. With that. Black on black crime happens. I get it. It does happen. White on white crime happens. White on black yeah. happens. White on Asian, Asian on black. All of it happens. But you can't tell me there's not an issue with the way that our law enforcement is run when this many situations are happening back to back to back to back. It's almost right. like someone's planning it. Have you heard of Elijah McClain? Yeah, I've heard of him. Uh, and I can't remember. It, it either was a post or somebody posted something about Yeah, this was a kid who was extremely introvert. And he was just walking home. He was almost home. And he was listening to music. And he didn't hear a cop say something to him. That's what and it was. For some odd reason, this little like 140 pound boy who plays violins to cats who are inside of a shelter, like the guy played violin for cats because he thought they were lonely. Just a little 140 pound boy who's an extreme introvert. Didn't hear a cop say something. Cop walks up behind and throws him down on the ground. And you can actually watch the video and the little boy is pleading. Like, like you can tell he can't fight back because he's too busy crying and pleading. And, you know, he's like, I don't hate people. I'm not one of those people. I don't kill people. I wouldn't even kill a fly. I don't even eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. I don't judge people who eat meat. It's just not what I'd like. This is what he's saying. And for some reason, two more cops join in. And they beat the boy. And then they hit him with basically a tranquilizer enough for a 240 pound man for a 140 pound man. And that's what ultimately puts him into a coma. And then they tell him, they tell the, the, the hospital says that the reason this guy died was because he was fighting back. But if you look at the pictures of him in the hospital, he's beaten to a pulp. And then people had a vigil for him. A bunch of people got together and played violin and you know what happened? They got pepper sprayed by the cops. 
people who were peacefully playing violins were pepper sprayed. So to me, it's not, race is an issue, but I think it's, we have issues that we need to solve with our authority figures before we can handle race. Because if, if, if we can't get our author, uh, uh, authorities under, under control, like it's sad that I'm afraid of someone who is supposed to protect me and, and look out for me. You know, I've been pulled over before in Arkansas and the guy walks up to the car. And as soon as he sees that there's a black guy driving, he puts his hand on his sidearm and undoes the holster. By the way, might I add, I'm in a full suit, full three-piece suit, driving to work. But he felt the need to put his hand on his holster and undo the button. You're right. And I, and I think that goes to, sh to show you that those are the kinds of officers that, you know, and, and Jan and I were talking about that. I said, if I could come up with a reform in five minutes, and it was like three strikes, you're out. The, you know, obviously, they have to look into, you know, re human resources got to look at files and you find those problem officers that have already been written up. Obviously, you can't retroactive three strikes, you're out, but you need to get them off the street. They need to go through, like you said, a psych valve, comprehensive program to understand, like, are there other things happening in his life or whatever that are attributing to the way that he is not wearing the badge the way he's supposed to. You reform him, you put him back out. He has a second offense. Guess what? He's got to repeat what he had to do at the first, but then he gets desk duty until he shows that he can actually go out on the street and perform and wear the badge the way he's supposed to or he or she. Third time, you're fired. That's it. This, this, this job is not for you. You don't have the mentality, and it does. I mean, when, you, when I look at, and especially actually in Arkansas, they, they, this came up actually, and the only reason why I remember it is you said Arkansas. We have to still equip the men and women that support us because even though we don't want to talk about stats, the percentages are that there are more good cops than there are bad. And, 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 and there may be some precincts that yeah. are notoriously bad. We, we, we know that. So, but in Arkansas, I believe, and I don't know whether it was the mayor or the governor, there was something going on there recently. And the officers were told on the scene of whatever, maybe a protest, I'm not really sure what it was, that they had to take off their riot gear or re remove, um, I believe it was their headgear. Mm -hmm. And they're torn, like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Because, you know, objects are being thrown at our head. Um, you know, we don't know what these objects are. Mm -hmm. So obviously that was not a peaceful situation. So you're torn on, you, you, you don't want to, you know, wear a particular gear, but you also know that there are sadly officers that don't have the right mindset and, and women that can, and I, you couldn't pay me to do that job. Number one, you know, when you see, you know, all the people coming at you and how they have to deal with that. And then the long hours some of them need to be removed off the street. They need that, like you said, that vacation break. They need that psych valve. Can you handle this? Because not everyone's meant to, even though you would love to serve, serve in a different capacity. Maybe that is not your thing. And I think we have to do more of that. And I think part of different areas is they have so many now that want to retire early and or get the hell out. They don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. 
who in their right mind is going to say, hey, I want to be a police officer under those circumstances? I, I don't know of anybody. Well, you know what's crazy is if you just make it possible to where they can't take off their body cams or turn them off, things change Correct. really quickly. Uh, like I, that's that's yeah. the number one thing I say do first. Make it to where body cams cannot come off and they cannot be turned off. Right. I People agree. are going to change right away because they can't get away with anything. Correct. Correct. When there's no video evidence, the cop's got to be right, right? He's the cop. He's the person of law. He's, he's the authority. So, I mean, that, that, that's what I'll say on that one. Um, I think I'm going to have, I am going to have yes. to leave soon. My wife is, yes. is, is going to wake yes, up. Wait, wait, yes, we actually did. We actually did go longer than we did because we were spending <laughs> a moment and chatting. I would love yes. to, uh, you know, absolutely, Jan and I would love to do a, a, a follow-up and obviously keep in touch. I think you add so much value to your, your perspective. Keep us up what's going on in the world of all-star cheerleading, of course. And we are so blessed, so blessed. Uh, love you, brother. Always, always, always. You Make sure you tell Courtney, give her a big hug. Jan, you want to close this out? Chris, thank you so much, and you need to get to your bride. So without, yeah. <laughs> without further ado, we really want to thank you for your time. And everybody, we want you to comment below. And, you know, if you have any questions specifically for Chris, we'll make sure that he gets them. So reporting live from the circle, North Haven, a.k.a. Wellness Diva, along with Carol Sue, a.k.a. Nani Bus, live from Vero Beach. Chris, thank you. Love you. Love you. You guys have a great Thursday. Go out there. Be kind. Be understanding. Listen. Stop hearing and listen. Have a great day, guys. Bye, everyone.